Welcome to Counseling Over Coffee, a podcast of Redeemer Counseling Group. Whether you are listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher, we are happy to have you. And if you enjoy this podcast, it helps if you rate and review us, particularly on Apple Podcasts. And of course, any sharing of the podcast on social media is greatly appreciated. For more information about Redeemer Counseling Group, you can visit our website at RedeemerCounselingGroup.com or look us up on Facebook. And with that, here is Cherie with Counseling Over Coffee. Happy New Year to each of you who are joining me here in early 2022. I was talking to some folks last week and we agreed that saying goodbye to 2021 brings a sigh of relief. So many of us experienced unprecedented hardships related to life during this global pandemic. You know, something our parents and even many of our grandparents didn't experience until now. I know we're all hoping and praying this year we'll see the end of the suffering and loss so many have experienced these past two years. And today, I want to brainstorm about New Year's resolutions. Those of you who know me or regularly tune in know I love history, so it won't surprise you that I did a little research on New Year's resolutions. And there's a point to this, so be patient with me. I was pretty stunned to learn that a focus on declarations to make things better at the beginning of the new year goes all the way back over 4,000 years to ancient Babylon. They are actually credited with starting what we now call New Year resolutions during an annual 12-day celebration when they would do things like plant new crops or sometimes crown a new king. And the festival included promising their gods they would do things, simple things like return things they borrowed from someone or repay debts because if they did these things, the gods would smile on them and be nice to them for the coming year. And if they didn't do these kinds of things, well, the gods wouldn't be pleased and bad things would happen to them. It's interesting that most of their resolutions were focused on others, especially on righting wrongs. So that's the genesis of this whole New Year's resolution thing. During the Middle Ages, and this is, this is really interesting, Knights took what they called an annual peacock vow. Now, I am not making this up. As a way to renew their vow of chivalry for the coming year, they would take their hands and put them on a live or roasted peacock and declare their intent to maintain their knightly values for that coming year. And why a peacock? I have no idea. But again, this renewal was a focus on others, a pattern that seems to continue. Listen to this. By the 17th and 18th centuries, 
New Year's resolutions were commonplace. Journals and personal correspondence are full of examples, and I found some really cool stuff. In a 1671 journal entry by a Scottish writer, there were several self-promises under the heading, quote, resolutions, including this promise that this author made, I will not offend anyone. Now, when I read that, I thought, I wonder how far into January that one lasted. But anyway, thousands of years after the Babylonians, it was commonplace for these New Year's thoughts to be somehow centered on personal behavior and the treatment of others. I hope you enjoyed this last bit of history as much as I did, and I promise I'm done with the history after this. But allegedly, an 1813 Boston newspaper has the first recorded use of the phrase New Year's resolution. And here it is. The author of this article says, I believe there are multitudes of people accustomed to receive injunctions of New Year's resolutions who will sin all the month of December with a serious determination of beginning the new year with new resolutions and new behavior and with the full belief that they shall thus expiate and wipe away all their former faults. Wow, if only we could wipe away all our former faults with some New Year's resolutions. So fast forward to modern days. It's great to understand why we have this practice. It's been a part of our world for thousands of years. And it's interesting that the reasons are essentially similar. New Year's resolutions have commonly been for 4,000 years for the purpose of being better people and having better relationships. But over the past 30 plus years, especially in America, studies show that the most common resolutions target health, weight loss, and finances. And you won't be surprised that a sizable 2018 research study showed that only 4% of those who make resolutions in January say they fulfilled them the following December. I, I chuckled when I when I saw this meme that said this, I resolved to gain weight and spend more money this year. Here's to the expectation of failure. Two pieces I read last week got me thinking about a new way to think about New Year's resolutions, a way of processing them that is actually a return to the primary purpose of resolutions for thousands of years. The first piece was from the Gospel Coalition. It was a blog by Joe Carter entitled, Don't Just Make a Resolution, Make a Habit. He defines a habit as, quote, a recurrent, often unconscious pattern of behavior acquired through frequent repetition. Habits, whether good or bad, are behavior or practices that have become so ingrained 
that they are often done without conscious thought, end quote. He uses the example of being at work and heading to the vending machine for a snack around 3 p.m. on most days that week. And someone who does this has probably been doing it for a while on a pretty consistent basis. And now he does it without any apparent conscious thought. This made me think of a weird pattern I've noticed in myself recently. About a month or so, maybe two months back, I waited, um, waited out some heavy rain in my car in our driveway by checking Facebook while I was waiting. I live in Florida, so afternoon showers can be common, not so much at this time of year, but over the recent weeks, we've been getting a lot of rain. And so the same thing happened a few days later, including me checking my Facebook. So one sunny day, several weeks later, I realized that when I drive alone and turn off my car in our driveway, I had started opening my phone and checking on Facebook. And why? I sat there and realized I had started routinely doing this without even thinking about the weather. Then a few days later, I did the same thing when Benny was driving. He went into the house while I sat in the passenger seat for about 10 minutes looking at Facebook. Now, I'm not suggesting this is wrong or bad thing. It's just weird. In a matter of a few weeks, I had developed a habit I wasn't even aware of and one I didn't even intend to start. So the second article I read was one that encouraged thinking more relationally about New Year's resolutions. This author suggested that our resolutions be focused not just on making ourselves better in some way, but making life better for those around us in small, achievable ways. They mentioned things like saying thank you five times a day or making steady eye contact when you're talking to or listening to someone. These two articles combined to give me this new way to think about New Year's resolutions. What if I consider habits I want to develop to love the people in my life in more concrete, measurable ways? Not just um, habits like, I want to love people more, or I need to be more patient, but specific, concrete things. Think about it. For some, measurable things like maintaining eye contact or saying thank you on a daily basis could be just as hard as another person losing 15 pounds or foregoing unnecessary spending for a year. A couple of years ago, our church had a workshop on learning to grow and caring for one another. And we did an interesting exercise. We divided the group into teams of two and practiced consistently maintaining eye contact while conversing with our teammate for five minutes. Some found this natural and easy because it's just something they do on a regular basis anyway. But others found it surprisingly hard, even for one or two minutes. We all agreed after we finished the exercise and were talking that eye contact is important because it keeps our concentration focused excuse me, on the person in front of us, 
And it also, some people talked about how they felt cared for, they felt listened to, because the person was maintaining eye contact with them. But we also agreed it's hard for many because of habits we've unknowingly created that make us avoid eye contact with people. And some learned some really interesting reasons why they avoid eye contact. It was fascinating. So what if we approach this year's resolutions as relational habits we want to develop to love people better? This doesn't mean that, you know, we throw out our desire to lose weight or save money, but those things are more likely to happen as God moves on our hearts to better understand why we overeat or overspend rather than because we decide on January 1st that we're going to do better. Developing loving relational habits this year is striking me as a fresh way to look at beginning a new year with concrete ways I can quietly practice making something that's hard now something that becomes so ingrained that I don't even have to think about it, like checking my Facebook in my car in the driveway. And it feels like a return to historic reasons why people started doing this in the first place, if that makes sense. Here's a personal example of what I'm thinking about, a relational habit I'm seriously considering for 2022. And here it is. Watching my tone of voice with Benny, especially when I'm stressed or in a hurry. Now, I know that's very specific and may sound picky, but hear me out. Benny has been recently helping me see that sometimes I sound demanding or irritated when I'm asking him to do something for me or when I respond to a question from him. And I have to admit that, yes, in certain situations, I feel agitated and irritated. And I need help seeing what this looks and feels like to Benny. I can easily admit that I get stressed and even bossy under certain situations. And it's no surprise this came up after a month of family gatherings in our backyard with lots of people. But I don't see how that presents in my tone of voice or my attitude toward him. Which Even as I say this, admitting my bossiness is a clear admission that he's probably right. So I've asked him to help me by pointing this out. Just not in the moment, maybe later that day or the next when I can hear him better if I'm being honest. I learned from my Facebook driveway excursions that habits don't take long to make. And when caught early, They don't take long to break. Once I noticed this silly Facebook habit, I was able to simply drop it only because it was a recent silly habit. But I think we can all concede that unloving habits we've been walking in for years or decades aren't going to stop easily simply because we tell ourselves to stop it. I'm aware that first noticing my hurtful voice tones 
then apologizing when I say them, and then last, catching myself before I do this in the future, is going to take far more than a change of behavior. Because my selfish behavior comes from a selfish heart. And here's the thing. David Pallison uses the metaphor of a sponge in reference to the heart. I'm starting, just starting, to see this applying in my speech with Benny. The heart as a sponge means that when we squeeze a sponge, what comes out? Whatever was already in the sponge. If the sponge is filled with juice, a child spills. Then milk isn't going to come out of it when we squeeze it into the sink. Likewise, when our hearts are squeezed, like for me, when I'm stressed or anxious, what is already in my heart comes out. In my case, what comes out is bossy, inconsiderate words. The problem is, what's in my heart likely doesn't just come out in stressed situations. Whatever is there, whatever, selfishness or resentment or ingratitude or whatever, is probably coming out in other ways Benny and I may not yet be aware of. And that's why choosing something very specific and concrete is a great way to see something more general as we focus on that very specific thing. This truth was confirmed to me just this morning. I was looking at Mark 7 and verses 21 to 23 affirm this whole principle in a pretty stunning way when it says, for from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and they defile a person. If you're bristling some at me using these verses to talk about my irritable tone of voice with my husband, or that I'm comparing that to some of what's listed here, well, what I can say is this. My snarky voice tones with Benny understandably bother him. And he's not an easily bothered husband. In fact, he's characteristically patient and rarely points out my faults even when he should, for my own growth. What Mark is teaching us is that unloving and sinful behavior originates in a sinful heart. He could have easily included in his list irritable, bossy words to your husband when you're setting up for Christmas breakfast. The problem with typical New Year's resolutions is that many are behavior modifications that don't consider the heart behind the habits we resolve to overcome. Trying to simply change my behavior when stressed will likely fail by January 10th, which one research study says is the day many resolutions lose their steam. If I want to sit down next New Year's Day and evaluate with Benny whether I've made progress in my harsh treatment of him when I'm stressed or maybe at other times, I guess we'll find out. Then I will need to spend some time in January, this month, prayerfully considering why I do this to him 
and not necessarily to others, at least that I know of. That's where Mark 7 helps me. It shines the light of sometimes this, of this painful truth into the dark recesses of my heart, bringing hope for change. And believe me, I'm aware that this exercise may expose other ways my heart is being squeezed and exposed in my marriage and perhaps other relationships too. But that's the beauty of the gospel. I don't have to hide even from my sin or my hurtful habits. I can engage with and admit them to myself, to Benny, and even to you, some of whom I've never even met without shame because Christ has covered my flaws, my weaknesses, my sins with his cleansing sacrifice on the cross. It actually brings me hope to embark on this journey, even though it will probably be hard and painful at times as I see my heart more clearly. If my issue is as simple as lingering in my car, checking Facebook, then I'll be able to come back on a podcast very soon and tell you that being bossy and irritable with Benny is over because he pointed it out to me a few times and I just stopped doing it. But even if that's possible, whatever attitudes in my heart that fuel these reactions will just come out in a different way. Kind of like the leaky pipes in your basement that aren't fixed simply by plugging up a hole. The water will likely find its way out in some other hole down the line. So maybe you'd like to join me in considering a relational habit you'd like to develop this year. If so, I would love to pray for you and ask that you would pray for me. You can contact me by private message on Redeemer Counseling Group Facebook page or, excuse me, email me at Cherie at RedeemerCounselingGroup.com. Cherie at RedeemerCounselingGroup.com. I would love to connect with those of you who would like a new way to look at New Year's resolutions in 2022.